Hey, everybody. Welcome. Okay, Pastor Angel, you're good to go. Good morning. It's good to see everybody that's willing to share their faces with us this morning. <laughs> oh, I hope everybody's well. And uh, hello. Hi, Addie. Um, I hope, hey, Lauren, Joy, it's so good to be with you. Um, I pray that we have a good service today. It's always good just because we can see each other's faces and God has been so good to us through all of this. So we have uh, another opportunity just to bless him and to thank him for our time. And so I am going to um, just lead us in some prayer. Our God, we thank you so much for your love. We thank you so much for uh, being able to rest in you. Uh, you are a friend. You are our confidant, our, our comforter. You are a partner in life. And so we greet you collectively as you are our collective partners um, with the church. Guide us this day in our worship of you, Holy Spirit. Um, help us to do things that are acceptable in your sight. Um, and pr we pray that, you know, you unite our hearts together in fresh new ways, helping us to discover the depth that we can uh, have relationship even through this medium. Um, and you be glorified. Bless Keith and everyone who participate today in this whole shenanigans, Zoom shenanigans. Help it to work in Facebook, help it to work well. This is our prayer. You are our God, we are your people and we pray, amen. All right, so we bless you and, oh, Emily is here. Nope, she's coming on. I'll get with Emily in a minute. All right, Keith, feel free. Good morning, Mosaic. It's great to be with you again this morning. Uh, we're just going to start with um, one of my favorite songs, Oceans, which really just talks about uh faith and trust in God in challenging times. And I, Mosaic, am so thankful for a God who, uh, whose promise is to be with us, to care for us, to never forsake us. And so uh, join with me in just giving thanks and praise for this God who is faithful, this God who we can put our trust, our faith in. Let's go back to the top. 
pray with me, church? It's a beautiful promise, God, that wherever you call us, wherever you lead us, that we need not fear because you're with us. That we belong to you and that you committed to us. Anxiety, uncertainty, we can give those all to you, because you're loving, you're caring, you're faithful, so we just rejoice this morning that we are with you, this beautiful community. love that's gathered together. We thank you, God. We thank you that we can call upon your name. And I will call upon your name. And keep my eyes above the way. My soul will rest in your grave. For I am again for I am yours it's good news church for I am yours and you are mine for I am yours and you are mine for I am yours and you are mine amen Amen. This next song is new to me, so it might be new to you, um, but I have a dear friend, Shawnee Johnson, who I worship with, um, love to worship with, has taught me so much about worship, and uh, I reached out to her yesterday, I said, we're talking about faith today, do you have any songs about faith? And she sent this song to me, had never heard it, uh, but it's beautiful. So hopefully you know it, but if you don't, I uh, just pray that it blesses you. And I think it's pretty easy. You should jump right in uh, with me. Um, but a beautiful song about just having uh, that faith to trust God with whatever is before us. Broken 
back to the top and sing that with me, church.
trust what you say that you're good and your love is great hey, we're broken inside we give you our life give you our Thanks, Keith. Uh, that's so good. That's so good. Um, I asked uh, Emily if she would just have some centering prayer for us before we go into uh, our sermon. So, Emily, if you would. Good morning, Mosaic. It's good to see all of you. Um, yeah, so uh, Angel asked me to do some, lead some centering prayer this morning, and I'm going to use an app um, that I have on my phone. It's just called Centering Prayer, and I use it a lot just for myself. It helps, gives you a structure and kind of you can set the time limit that you want to do. So if that's something you guys want to do later in the week, um, I recommend that app. Um, for those of you who are new to Centering Prayer, it's kind of like meditation um, with the intention of connecting to the Spirit of God. Um, just believing that God's Spirit is always with us and sometimes all we need is just a moment of silence to connect to and open ourselves up to that presence. Um, so it's a form of prayer that is um, does not take a lot of words, if any words at all. Um, so it's more about silence and stillness and listening. Um, so what I'm going to do, I'll read a few of the guidelines that this app has um, explaining Centering Prayer. I'll read a short verse from Psalm 46. And after I read that verse, we'll take one minute of silence. And um, during that time, you can just focus on your breath in and out as a way to kind of center and focus on God or you can um, choose what they call is a sacred word. So maybe it's just come, inviting God's spirit, or maybe it's peace, or maybe it's just the name of Jesus, or 
whatever that, whatever symbolizes um, God's presence to you or helps you focus on his presence. And so whenever you find your mind wandering um, or you're noticing sensations in your body or images are coming to mind or emotions are popping up, just return either to your breath or to that word to kind of help you um, still your heart, still your mind, still your mind and um, center on God. Um, so we'll do that for a full minute. And then at the end, there's a chime on this app. I don't know if you're going to be able to hear it. So I'll just say amen. Um, and that will close our, our time together. So sound good? <laughs> okay. So we'll begin. Find a comfortable seat. You can take a deep breath. Close your eyes. I'll read this verse um, and we'll take a full minute. Be still and know that I am God. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Emily. That was great. Um, <clears throat> so uh, I spent a lot of time this week uh, as a result of the sermon last week. Um, I was inspired, which is a good thing. You can preach yourself to be inspired. So that's a good thing. Um, just spending time with uh, God and talking to the Holy Spirit and getting direction. And it has been really, really good. Um, I hope that it has been, that, that talking to the Spirit more has been good for you. Today, <clears throat> we wanna talk a little bit about, uh, about uh, Thomas. Um, we'll look at the scriptures. We continue in the third week after, um, after Easter. To discuss him. And so what I'm going to do is read an introduction and then I'm going to have um, Andrew play a video for us that will serve as our scripture reading for today. All right. Most of us have heard the saying, seeing is believing. We get the general gist of what it means. When seeing something for yourself, you're more likely to believe it's real. It exists, even when it's something that's extremely unusual. The news recently reported, I wonder if any of you have seen it, the release of the U.S. Navy footage of the unidentified flying object. Did you guys see that? Uh, there has been speculation regarding UFOs for years. 
I don't know how long people have talked about that. Um, those speculations have led to like blockbuster movies like Arrival and Close Encounters of the Third Kind. I'm aging myself on that one. And, um, and even scary movies like, like Alien or Alien versus Predator, which is like my favorite because the black lady lives. Woo! So, because <laughs> usually, you know, we only get three to five in, in, in the past in those movies. So it was so cool that she was the sole survivor. Anyway. Um, and many of us have heard of the mysterious Area 51, you know, and that gave birth uh, to uh, Independence Day. So how many times has a friend asked you, you know, especially when those movies come out, come on, tell me the truth. Do you believe in extraterrestrials? Do you believe the UFOs out there? And your, your answer might have gone something like, um, I have to see that for myself to believe it, right? I, gotta, I have to see a little green person and talk to them to believe it, because it's just so far out there. <clears throat> I don't want to get caught up in hoaxes <clears throat> or for someone to pull the wool over my eyes. I, I don't want anyone to mark me as being gullible or naive or believing some strange thing. Um, I want to be known as a sensible person. I have to uh, watch out for my reputation. My credibility is at stake with these you know things that seem so outlandish. So. <clears throat> I'm not just gonna believe anything anybody says. And most of the time, you and I would agree that that's right, that's the thing you should do. Again, on this third Sunday after Easter, it brings us to the story of Thomas. It's funny, but now instead of being viewed as a sensible man, his reputation took a hit because he was doubted or that because he doubted. And now for what may feel like forever, he's known as doubting Thomas. For as long as the gospel is told, you know, like with the woman in the alabaster box, you know, she'll be memorialized for her faith. But poor Thomas is being memorialized for his lack of faith. Um, but was that really the point in, the, in that portion of scripture? You know, God isn't into shaming and being marked like that and everybody remembering the, the bad thing you did, you know, feels awful. Um, despite what you and I might have experienced in our churches or heard about uh, the experience of others of our friends, God isn't into shaming. No, scripture, the scripture has taught me that when I find myself in places where I feel ashamed, the Lord steps in while, and, and helps me to learn from whatever the situation, but God covers me so that I regain my esteem for myself and I'm able to move forward. God lifts me from that state to a state of security and confidence. No, it was us who named Thomas, not, not the Lord. We've marked him. We call him Thomas. We call Thomas outside his name. Yes, it's the fact that Thomas doubted and we will discuss that soon. But if Thomas was a real person and I lean toward Thomas being as real as Jesus was, then Thomas is with the Lord now. And while there's so much to be learned from what happened, I think we should treat the living and the dead with respect. And so I want to respectfully share Thomas's story. Lord, help me, help us to respect Thomas in its telling. So can we have that video clip?
One of the twelve disciples, Thomas, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. Unless I see the scars of the nails in his hands and put my finger on those scars and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, the disciples were together again indoors, and Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but Jesus came and stood among them. Peace be with you. Put your finger here and look at my hands. Then reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop your doubting and believe. My Lord and my God. Do you believe? Because you see me. How happy are those who believe without seeing me? In his disciples' presence, Jesus performed many other miracles which are not written down in this book. But these have been written in order that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through your faith in him, you may have life. Yay. Yay. I like when we can mix it up a little bit. Um, too often in our reading or telling the story of, of Thomas, we can be smug and sometimes we're even condescending as if we would never handle this situation the way Thomas did. You know, no, I would have believed because he just needed to tell me and I would have been on track. You know, all I can say to that is mm, how many of us last week would have said the films of UFOs, you know, the, the, the documentary films, those are fakes and phonies, somebody, some prankster put those together. But now we have this film and we're going, oh, well, now I can, now I can say that they might be true. Some of us are still sticking with it's unexplained, but that skepticism is something that we all have, that's a part of all of us. And so we wanna look at Thomas in the way that we can relate to him. Um, and not shame him, um, because Thomas is our friend. And Thomas, in his story, we learn some things about ourselves and who our God is. And so I'm excited to share with you uh, Thomas's story. So let's talk about Thomas, little background. Okay, the apostle Thomas speaks three times in the gospel of John. Um, scriptures don't record how Thomas was called by Jesus to follow. His name is simply included in the list of all the disciples that you find in Matthew and Mark and Luke. There are three recorded instances where Thomas speaks in scripture in John's gospel. And these instances give us a small insight into who Thomas is, his character. Just a bit. In John 11, where we find the story of Lazarus, who has been ill and eventually dies, the disciples assumed that Jesus wouldn't, was not going to return to Bethany upon hearing of 
Lazarus' illness, because the last time Jesus was there in that area of the country, a mob came up and they wanted to stone him. And they so they assumed Jesus waited, you know, two more days, but they thought he was even going back. Then disciple, the disciples reminded Jesus, you know, when he said, it's time to go back. They reminded Jesus. They told him, look, don't you remember, dude? They tried to kill you and you're going back, you know, like what's wrong with you? And Jesus explained to them that Lazarus was now dead and that he was glad that he wasn't there. Basically, he was saying, I'm glad that I wasn't there to heal him because now you're going to see something even greater. He wanted his disciples to believe, to have faith in him. So with this in mind, we think about Thomas. So he was the first to raise, you know, a protest. Thomas, and so he, was the, he was with the disciples in the raising of a protest, but then Thomas was the first to say this, let us also go that we may die with him. No, he wasn't brimming with confidence regarding Jesus and their faith, their fate if they returned, but the brother was loyal, even when he believed the worst would happen. Thomas did not allow his pessimism to keep him from being at Jesus' side. He was honest. Yeah, I think we're going to die, but we all need to go. So Thomas was loyal. In John, the 14th chapter, Jesus is explaining to his disciples that he was going to prepare a place for them and how he, Jesus, would return to them and take them where they would be with him forever. Then Jesus told them, you know the way to the place I'm going. But here comes Thomas again. Thomas not understanding the meaning of what Jesus was saying. And his response was, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? Basically, he was saying, we, that doesn't make any sense, Lord. I don't know where you're going, so I can't possibly know the way. I already said that Thomas was honest and he wasn't afraid to be confrontational, nor was he afraid to ask questions and to get clarifying answers. Thomas was rational. He made decisions based on what was sensible, what was logical. So we get that in these two instances, Thomas was pessimistic and he was loyal, honest, daring, and logical. Now you think with all these good you know, descriptors of, of Thomas, we would have a more positive image and, and the doubting side, the, the pessimistic side wouldn't be the thing that we constant, constantly remember him for. In these two instances, Jesus' um, actions and then his comments didn't make any good old fashioned, as uh, some folks may say, horse sense to Thomas. But guess what? They didn't make any sense to the other disciples who were there either. They were all questioning going back to Judea and they didn't understand what Jesus was saying in the 14th chapter of John. So when Jesus appeared to the disciples on the evening of the first day of the week, when Thomas wasn't there, what we talked about last week, listen, the first thing Jesus did after he greeted the disciples 
was to show them his hands and to show them his side. And then they rejoiced. So how come we're calling out Thomas for not believing when at every instance they reacted and needed the same things Thomas needed? Thomas wasn't the only doubter in the group. So Jesus had shown himself, listen, to Mary Magdalene after his resurrection, right? And he told Mary, Mary to go run and tell his disciples. And yet, listen, despite, um, and yet they, despite this man showing up in a locked room, saying they were, that he was here, that he was risen, they still needed to touch his hands and sides. Mary had delivered that message to him. The savior is alive. The savior lives. Jesus is alive. But they need it a sign. They need it to see it for themselves. It seems Thomas joined his brothers in the same attitude. He, like the other disciples, couldn't believe the word of the woman sent with the gospel message. And Thomas couldn't believe the word sent through the other disciples when they presented the gospel to him. Jesus is alive. And so we come to a week later, after he's appeared, after they're all so very excited and talking about how great it was to spend time with Jesus. And Thomas is just, you know, maybe they, you know, drink a little bit too much wine. Maybe their grief has taken them over and they've seen a ghost or something. And now they have this kind of shared thing. But Thomas being his very sensible person that he was, He's like, no, guys, come on. I'm going to be the sensible one because one of us has to so we can, you know, continue with what we were doing, you know. And then a week later, in another locked room, Jesus appeared and greeted them. And he turned to Thomas and he showed Thomas his hands and his side, just as he'd done with his other disciples. Jesus wasn't calling Thomas out. He called them all out, just Thomas. He wasn't showing just calling just Thomas out. He called them all out. Last week in our scripture, after showing them his hands and his side, Jesus said these words. And this is the, I think this is the cool part. As the father has sent me, I'm sending you. In this instance with Thomas, Jesus makes it even clearer in John 20, 29. You believe because you see me. Blessed are those who believe and have not seen me. As the father, our, our mother, our parent has sent me, Jesus said in the earlier text, I'm sending you. The father sent me to you to be with you and you didn't see the father or the parent. And yet you believe the parent sent me. Now I'm sending you and they won't see me. And still they'll believe that I sent you. Blessed are those who have not seen yet believe. I'm sending you just like the father sent me. So one of the scriptures in which Thomas spoke in um, John 14 in the 14th chapter if you remember, I taught on this weeks ago, that the scripture, you know, we use it in our, uh, a lot of our funerals. It says, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I'll come back and receive you unto myself. 
And we, we talk about it and, and, and we usually preach it about having a mansion with God. But this is a chapter, chapter 14, when the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. When we look at scripture, we have to look at context. We look at the context because context is king or queen. Yes, the context of this scripture, you have to look at when it was written and by who and all that, but you also look at the context of what surrounds the scripture when you're seeking to understand it. And so when we look at John 14, we see that it is a, it's the rest of the chapters on the Holy Spirit. Jesus says this, let your hearts be troubled, trust in God, trust also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. And if that wasn't so, I would have told you, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place, I'm coming back and take you with me so that you may be where I am. For you know the way to the place I'm going. Now, when I talked about the scripture, I talked about in the, I'm going to prepare a place for you. That for was a dative in Koine Greek. And that word can mean for, in, by, through. And we've chosen a, as a theological community, they've chosen to say for. But we're talking about the indwelling of the spirit. And I challenge it. Um, and it was, it was funny. I challenged it years ago before I even got to seminary to say that I, this is in. I, I'm going to prepare a place in you. And it was so liberating to me that my time with the Lord taught me that by myself and with, with the Holy Spirit. And then I got to school in Dr. Craig Keener's class and Lord and Martell's class. And they, they said the exact same thing. This is a scripture on the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And it's about us being the mansion. In my father's house, household, are many mansions, and that's you and me. So then let's look on in the rest of the scripture. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. We don't know the way. And Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. If you really knew me, you would have known my father as well. From now on, you do know him and you've seen him. Now, Philip comes out with this wonderful saying, listen, Philip said, Lord, show us the father and that will be enough for us. And Jesus said, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you for such a long time, everyone who's seen me has seen the father. How can you say, show us the father? Don't you believe that I am in the father and that the father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it's the father living in me who's doing his work. Verse 11, believe me when I say that I am in the father and the father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth. Everyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even or she will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Listen, I'm sending you, he said. As my Father has sent me, so I'm sending you, 
right? Now, how did the father send him? The father sent Jesus. Jesus was born into the earth. And we had that time when Jesus came and was, was uh, beginning his ministry. And he went to John the Baptist. And John the Baptist, he went to be baptized. And after he's baptized, we have this thing of the, the dove descending and representing the Holy Spirit coming to live within Jesus. As my father sent me, so I'm sending you. Our indwelling is God's ability to send us in the same power, in the same might of Jesus. And Jesus has said in this scripture, um, um, don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father's in me? And now he's saying the same thing to us, even though we didn't see him. Blessed are those who believe. And in the sending of you, I wouldn't send you and not equip you. But this indwelling, I'm sending you the same way that God sent me. I think that's a wonderful thing to share. Listen, I'm in the Father. The Father's in me. In John 15, he goes on and talks about the vine. Uh, I am the vine. You are the branches. Uh, any branch, I'm trying to get there really quick. I'm the vine and you are the branches. If a man remains or a woman remains in me and I in him, he or she will bear much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. That indwelling is like, I don't know, is one of the coolest things possible, I think. And Thomas is here as an example to us. He said to him, because you've seen, you've believed, but blessed are those, blessed are those I'm sending you to, because without ever seeing me and never touching my hand and, and feeling my side, but only hearing the story that you'll, you'll share, they'll come to faith. And I know that here's this example for you, that there are times in our lives that we needed to see, to believe, but God through the power, not only of the indwelling spirit, but the spirit of God living in the world. Scripture teaches us the spirit convicts us, the spirit helps us draw near to God and understand our need for God. The spirit begins this process for us. And so we are equipped in this way with the spirit and us in relationship, that when we share, God will confirm the biggest miracle there is, that salvation has come to the world. The biggest miracle there is, that there is a Jesus movement that started 2,000 years ago and continues into today. The miracle of being able to share, not, not the traditional evangelical stuff, but to be able to share about this relationship that's changed us so much and that we can give hope to people in the way that we've been given hope and that we don't have to have all the answers. We don't have to know everything. We don't have to quote the scripture backwards and forwards. All that stuff is wonderful. All my schooling is wonderful, but it is the sincerest heart that makes the difference in my life. I remember my instructors whose hearts were sincere. I quote them. I remember the people in my life whose hearts were sincere and I quote them. I remember them and they encourage me because of the relationship they had with God. Blessed are you, blessed am I, who've never seen him, but we know him. And people will say, I know God because that Lady Beth, Emily, Jessica, Dan, Vince, they showed me who God was. I saw God through them. 
and my life was changed. Blessed are you, blessed am I. And to God we say, amen and thank you. Amen. Thumbs up. All right. Keith, we're going to turn it back over to you. God bless everyone. Amen. Thank you, Angel. One of, uh, one of the beautiful things for me about that Thomas story is, um, is that uh, even in Thomas's doubt, right, that uh, Jesus approaches him and offers him this intimate experience. And I just so appreciate that God's faithfulness to us is not dependent on our faithfulness, uh, that grace wins every time, and that even in the midst of our most severe doubts, God, Jesus comes to us with an invitation of intimacy. Um, and so let's uh, celebrate that together by closing with uh, an oldie but a goodie, uh, great is thy faithfulness, just celebrating God's uh, faithfulness to us, uh, this God that we can trust uh, with our lives.
thank you, God, for your faithfulness to us. We thank you for your desire, for intimacy with us. We thank you that despite our doubts, despite our moments of weakness, despite our indecision, God, that your response to us is always to extend your hands, is always to invite us closer, deeper with you. Help us, God. Help our unbelief. Help us to be a people of faith so that we, as Pastor Angel said, may be a source of strength and faith and experience of God's radical love to those around us, that they too may believe, that they may enter into this beautiful relationship with Jesus, that their lives may be changed with joy and love and peace. We thank you, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you. Listen, everyone, thank you for showing up um, every week. Uh, it is so encouraging for not just me, but for everyone to see our faces and be able to talk. We, um, Justin had suggested we stay on line a little bit longer so we could chat, but we're still trying to figure out how to do that with so many people because it would just be blah, 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 blah. And so we're still looking at chat rooms and things and trying to figure out a way we could maybe have some special times when we could get together. Um, thank you for your faithfulness in giving. Um, the church is doing the church is doing well, um, and we are uh, we're secure, um, and so I'm grateful for that and your faithfulness and um, the support that you give. Um, we're able to assist people who have needs, um, and so again, if you are aware of someone who has a need, because um, sometimes you know we don't like saying so, and people wait till things get really bad. You know of it contact me, please, and uh, allow me to talk to whoever um, and be able to bring some comfort and relief to them from us. Amen. Um, next, we have, um, I'm putting together a survey that's going to go out just to talk about what happens when we get back together, just to see some of your thoughts. Okay. I know you don't like to respond and give answers to stuff, but I really need you to respond and give me some answers to stuff with the survey. Okay. Okay, please. All right, and lastly, next week, uh, I won't be preaching. Yay, some of y'all like, yay, I'm tired of you. But uh, I'm, no, I'm joking. Um, but guess, our guest will be Keith Wilbur. He's actually gonna preach for us. And so uh, Jeff is planning on leading the service and worship and Keith is gonna bring us a sermon um, in the next week. So please be here, same bat time, same bat place um, to meet together with our God and with each other. Thanks, Lord, for being with us. Thank you for loving us. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think by the power of the spirit that lives and works in us, to him be glory in Christ church now and forevermore. Amen. And God bless you. Have a good day. Bye-bye.